0: Hey everybody, Anthony here. Uh, when we're not playing games, my kids and I love arts and crafts. My daughter has been known to stay up way too late behind a sheet, drawing and gluing in secret. So we go through a lot of supplies and frequently we run out of projects for her. Let's Make Art takes the guesswork out of picking paint and art supplies for new projects, offering top quality supplies that are perfect for the kids and the rest of us. The kids can learn art and lettering from professional instructors, and subscription boxes for ages five to eleven are full of the materials and tutorials needed for fun and creative projects. Let's make art simple together. Check out Let's Make Art today by going to our special link zen.ai/boardgamersanonymous. That's zen.ai/boardgamersanonymous to get 20% off. Coupon code is activated at checkout.
1: Gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris and this is Anthony. This is episode 372, <laughs> top 10 hot game companies. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back and we are back talking about the top 10 hot game companies. Usually we bring you the hotness, which is typically all about the board games, but turns out that these piping, steamy, hot board games that are coming out come from some very hot board game companies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, so like all of our lists are, these are the best games that do this thing, Uh, or these are the best designers (laughs) that do this thing. But what about the companies that are investing in making the games happen and often run by the designers that we're talking about? So these these are the best of the best, currently, right now, the hottest. It's
1: it's funny, but it's actually true, is that a lot of the great games that we all love, and the games that we get to the table, and the games that we collect and talk about all the time, come typically, for more or less, these top 10 game companies. So while we talk about these game companies a little bit later in our feature review, you'll get to know about some of these other great games. So if you played one or two of these games, you should absolutely positively check out these companies because guarantee you're going to find some other hotness happening in that company. So that's going to be our feature review. So Anthony, we got our friends here. We're at the table. We're talking about board games. So what do you say? Let's talk about what everyone's talking about. What's our question of the week?
0: All right. Question of the week this week. What's an old game you'd like to see rethemed and brought back? Something specifically not in print right now. Okay, okay. Basil likes to go around going on and on about his rule that (laughs) all good games are available whenever you want them. It's not true. We've talked about this. He's wrong. I know. He's super (laughs) super wrong. (laughs) So let's talk about some games that uh, are not available right now and that we would like to see reprinted in some form. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list all these because all of them are good, but some oh. of them are more interesting conversations because of the other information that we have. Chris mentions the World of Warcraft game. I've not personally uh-huh. played the World of Warcraft game, but I know a lot of people that big coffin box would love to see it come back. By all accounts, it's like a pretty standard adventure game. I don't know sure. if re-theming that would make it something interesting and new in the marketplace with all these Kickstarter adventure games, but I also have not played it, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, John mentions ethnos. I don't know if ethnos oh. is out of print, but it is a mm. very bland theme. So it'd be cool. To oh see my God. Something new slept on that. Sure. Tom mentions Mombasa. Uh, and again, this question <laughs> went up about three or four weeks ago. Uh, we've been cycling through some other more recent stuff. So Tom did not know about mm-hmm. the brand new version of Mombasa that is sure. recently been announced. Uh, that we talked about last week, uh, which will take it to the skies, and sky mines. Well, it's it's space. It's Mombasa in space. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's weird. Why is it not space mines then? Why is it? I sky know. mines? <laughs> sky He mines. literally the... has another game about the sky. It's not
0: sky mines. What are you doing, man? Like yeah, yeah. And sky is like from here to space. Space yes. is space. What are we? Space Mines. Come it's on. Space Mines. Is
1: there another game called Space Mines that he was worried about, you know, crossing I mean, over?
0: Like, to be fair, that, that does sound bad. So I don't, maybe yeah, it just sounded space, bad. And they're like, Sky Mines, it sounds better. It does. I don't know. I don't know. Like it it uh, seems
1: completely contrary. Like, why would there be a mine in the sky?
0: Mm, it's true. I it mean, a bad space. Name
1: space you know astro mining or just moon mining or something pick
0: a planet and call it after that <laughs> like just call it titan or something right oh, it's the moon oh i like that yeah yeah like it's mombasa now it's titan yeah Same that's thing. it
1: good solved
0: we fixed I don't it know
1: how- <laughs> Please pay us
0: for our consulting (laughs) fee
1: It's not hard to do this If you want to paste it on theme We're available around the (laughs) clock We got a bucket of paste And we got themes Like literally we're cutting things out of a dictionary It does not matter I'm sorry
0: (laughs) They're all culturally sensitive But they're extremely pasted on So we're there for you
1: If if the whole idea of your game is mining You could literally mine anywhere you can mine in my freezer. I don't care. Mine's <laughs> some ice in my freezer. It does not matter. Okay? Great game. Great mechanics, bro. Just could literally be anything except for the problematic stuff. Like, you
0: really went out of your way. I'm sorry. Just don't. All right. So, a, Tom, yeah. Mambosh is coming back. It's got a dumb name, but it's coming back. Josiah, coming back mentions, Josiah mentions another potentially problematic game, Amerigo, which is on my shelf. Oh, so. uh, yeah. Um, Me too. Yeah, would would like to see it brought back with a sci-fi space exploration game again. Ooh. Put it in space. Put it in space. <laughs> Not wait. Don't you mean the sky?
1: Put it in the sky. <laughs> put it in the sky. <laughs> sky Explorer. So, you know, like Sky Wars. You know, the famous movie trilogies <laughs> with you know Skywalker. Right. I don't know. It, it is Skywalker. You, you can't. It is Skywalker.
0: Skywalker. No. um he, he does mention he's probably waiting on a mega Kickstarter where it's going to cost $200 when it gets redone. Josiah, oh you are correct. This is Queen Games. You. It will absolutely cost $200. These people probably. Are I'm telling you. So. Jeez. Uh, it's a Feld game. It's coming. It's expensive. Ugh. Roman mentions Battle or 2nd Edition, which, Ooh. yes, because we never got Ooh. the completed everything elves. for that. The elves. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be the same theme, though. So what would it be? I mean, it could still be elves, but a different universe, right? Uh, sky elves, sky elves. Sky elves. We did it. <laughs> Again, we pasted the theme on. We're good. We did it. <laughs> Woo. Nice. Um, nice Andrew mentions it, glory to Rome. Glory to Rome in oh, space. Yeah. Glory to Rome in the sky. <laughs> glory to glory the to sky. Glory to moon. Fine. I don't know. Yeah. It's true. Uh, Red mentions survive. Original version before they added all this recent stuff. At a print, expensive. Uh, I think they did re-theme that in space. They did re-theme it in space, yeah. (laughs) I actually own a copy of this. It it, it,
1: like I didn't buy it originally because the production is not nearly as good as the original. Mm. But there is a reprint of it. And I bought it because it was on super sale. And I like the original game. But I have not opened it. So I cannot speak to it. So, Mm. yeah. That's, yeah. So when, you, when right. you talk about a reprint, you actually want the good version of it. I think this is not necessarily the better version of that.
0: Right. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Matt mentions Blood Bowl Team Manager, which is absolutely nice. not going to happen. But... because <laughs> <laughs> hey, like, Someone could <laughs> dreams, Fantasy Flight like, doesn't dreams. do games anymore. They just do IPs with iterations of their yeah. and mechanics. And the Warhammer stuff is very much gone from any board Aww. teams unless Game Workshop's yeah. doing it. It'd be cool though. That game is cool. It's just yeah, it's it's very much it's very much gone. I think Forbidden Stars. Also, Frederick mentions that. And this one maybe because it is Starcraft. The mechanics from Starcraft, they read it as Forbidden Stars, and those mechanics still exist. They could redo it again with a different theme. Uh, but it's again, it's Fantasy Flight. So it would have to be Star Wars, Game of Thrones, or Marvel at this point. I don't mm-hmm. know that it really maps to any of those, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then John mentions Walnut Grove and Archipelago. And Archipelago is one of the worst offenders of colonialism games. So, yeah, it'd be good to see that one rethemed with something that I'm actually willing to play. Because this one, it, it like the game goes out of its way to tell you to pacify the natives so they don't rise up against you. That's terrible. It's just, it's ve- this is a game I actually use in my class to teach how these games are terrible. <laughs> so it would be good to see it rethemed. Could I uh, talk you into a sky theme by chance? Ooh, exploration (laughs) of various sky objects. (laughs) Various sky, yes, various various sky
1: objects. Uh,
0: Yeah, so lots of good stuff. I honestly, I feel like there's two categories here. There's stuff that's been out of print forever that we wish would come back, and there's all the Mm -hmm. problematic stuff that we don't want to play in its current form.
1: Yes. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good games that never came back, and and I think for a lot of reasons they will never come back. I I mean, probably the one that will never come back just because all the IPs are so expensive right now is HeroScape. The people early on who were able to pick that up locally, I mean, that was probably, I mean, I don't know if they were were still considered big box stores, but like Toys R Us had HeroScape and you could have picked up all of the things. But again, that was the idea that these IPs were very cheap and available so you could smash together all of these kind of, cheap plastic figures. I mean, I think that was something that I never got in on and I've seen the terrain and I've seen the figures and supposedly it's a very good game, but obviously that's never going to come back out. Uh, another one that I, that I actually have played and really enjoyed, which did get a shrunk down quasi reprint with Star Wars The Queen Gambit. Mm, it is gosh. a, yeah. that, that version of it is so much better than the newer slim down version. No offense, oh, I did like the slim yeah. down version, but again, it's it's a great game and and I'm also going to say again, obviously Glory to Rome. I think we talked about Glory to Rome recently. It's it's just a great game it, it and again, it's it's a shame and all the problems that kind of befell it. I mean, I think you could probably print out a copy on your own, which is kind of sad I guess in a way, and I think one of the other games that It's probably has a version of it somewhere out there. And recently, Anthony, you and I had were talking about this game because our friend Dave is a huge StarCraft fan. So StarCraft, the board game. So,
0: yeah, that was another one that popped into my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right there with Forbidden Stars. Yeah, same kind of basic mechanics with that. Yeah, there's a bunch of that stuff. And, like, I have a bunch of -of out-of-print games in my collection that Mm -hmm. I just don't love the theme of or... Sure. Maybe the quality of like, and some of them are are coming back eventually if they ever ship that Stefan Feld stuff. But Did, I don't know. There's just, it's, it's a funny thing with some of these games. It just, they, they linger. They, they don't, they don't hit back into the uh, kind of general gaming sphere that we're waiting for.
1: Yeah. I don't know if you ever played this, Anthony. I do want a copy. I know it's out of print days of wonder shadows over Camelot.
0: Oh my gosh, that one would be great. I actually wanted to bring yeah. it out to my class, and it's just, you can't find it. It doesn't exist. I got a copy. Yay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, was... Libertalia was high up on that list for a lot of people for a long time, and Stillmeyer brought that mm-hmm. back recently, although like changed a lot of things, so I don't know how people are thinking about that. Android Netrunner is never coming back, but I know a lot of people very much miss that game. I discovered it after it went out of print, and I'm very sad sure. about it, because it's a Brilliant game, and I enjoyed playing it, but now it's so expensive to find the content. Um, that'd be another yeah. one that'd be cool to see reprinted.
1: I think one of the other ones, too, that probably no one knows about was Arabian Nights. Ooh. because it had that yes. gigantic book that must have cost all the money in the world to produce. So I can't imagine right. unless they put that on like as a PDF or something like that. Yeah, it'd probably be an app. I bet if they redid that, it'd be an app. I bet. Yeah. I mean, if they could only retheme that to something else. <laughs> I would like that by chance. Cool. So if you're listening yeah. out there, if you could do that, that'd be fantastic by the way. So nonetheless. All right. Well, again, if you like to join in on the conversation and there's so many great conversations to have. In fact, last week we talked about Ankh and Kemet and one of our great listeners, David out there dropped some real, some fantastic knowledge on us about uh, how great Ankh is. So uh, this conversation is not just Anthony and I, it's everyone at the table. So you're part of that table. So jump over to Facebook and Twitter. Question of the Weeks are always there. Facebook probably has the most attention, I believe, as far as responses, feedback, and a lot of great conversations that are happening. But again, you can find us everywhere that podcasts are, everywhere, patreon.com, BGA, and especially Board Gamers Anonymous, our great website that has all the content that you ever wanted to hear from the two of us and many more great voices at the table.
0: Hey everyone, looking for something new and interesting to listen to? Every week, host Eric Johnson discusses who you should follow online in Follow Friday. Created to celebrate the good side of the internet, Follow Friday is a podcast that explores creativity, diversity, and the people who are trying to make it a fun and healthy place for all of us. Check out Follow Friday every Friday for a guide to the best people on the internet on followfridaypodcast.com and all podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and Pocket Casts.
1: All right, Anthony. So that's everything that's happening with our listeners. Let's get on to the things that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders.
0: All right. Yeah, this one popped up for me when I was actually prepping for the episode. Uh, So I was in Board Game Geek, and I didn't know this was coming out. And I saw Autobahn. This is a uh, new game on Kickstarter uh, from Alley Mm -hmm. Cat Games. And so I saw Alley Cat Games and I was like, oh, OK, interesting. And they generally do lighter stuff. So they've done like Dice Hospital and Chocolate Factory and Welcome to Dino World. These are all good games. I like all of them, um, but none of them are like super up my alley. I think I've backed one of their games before. And that was Dino World. And that was because it was rolling right in my rolling right phase. Uh, <laughs> but then I dug into the game a little bit and it turns out it's actually a relatively solid, at least weight wise, Euro from Fabiano. Look. Fabio Lopiano and Nestor mm-hmm. Mangone, uh, who have designed between them some of my favorite games. So, Lopiano did Kalimala, Ragusa, Merv. Uh, yes. All three of those are amazing. Uh, Mangone worked on several different uh, games, including Newton, Masters of Renaissance, Darwin's sure, Journey's not out yet, but excited to play that when it does come out. So, lots of good stuff. And then I was like, oh, it's an economic strategy game about building the German motorway system. That sounds really cool to me, to me. I know a lot of people are hearing that and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> so, uh, it's logistics and building roads, but it, it just like the map is, it's colorful, it's brilliant. You're building all these different road mechanics and it just, it looks like the kind of game that I'm most excited to see on Kickstarter. is these big sprawling euros that, don't really get from traditional companies anymore. They go on Kickstarter every now and then, and that's about it. So it is a couple hours long, one to four players, uh, economic Euro game, as we said. And it's got all your little wood pieces, your trucks and your little meeples and your gas stations, (laughs) all the good stuff. And so you're trying to build the different service stations that you need to manage the road. You're trying to expand the Autobahn network. You're managing exports out of Germany, uh, promoting employees to help kind of run the network that you're developing. Very, very economic Euro-y. The game comes with over 500 components they're very proud to announce, which honestly at this point feels pretty standard (laughs) for any Euro game. Um, There's a lot of stuff in the box. But the cool thing is it's not super stupid expensive, right? It is. You know, 10 years ago, we would have said this is very expensive, but with Euro games going up on Kickstarter now for 100 hundred, hundred and twenty $120, $64 is not too bad uh, for all the stuff, right? That's all in for everything you're going to get. Um, there's, you know, mechanically, there's a lot going on here, so I'm not going to go through all of it because you can go to the Kickstarter and they have a nice little run through of everything that's there, but they have a cool Automa system. It looks very interesting. The rule set doesn't look, it's one of those like, relatively easy to get into but it seems to have a like a depth underneath it um, which is what lopiano games tend to do those games usually his games play an hour to an hour and a half this one looks to be a little bit longer like two to two and a half but you can learn the rules to a lopiano game in 10 15 minutes and then play it over the course of an hour an hour and a half and this seems to be in that ballpark so anyways autobonds on kickstarter It's up there for a couple more weeks. Uh, It's relatively affordable. There's a lot of good additional upgrades and wooden bits on there. Um, I'm excited. I honestly don't typically get surprised by games on Kickstarter anymore, and this one did surprise me. So I have already backed it, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing when it comes in.
1: Yeah, I was on the fence
0: for this. Like When I first
1: looked at it, I was like, yes. And then I... So the designers were like, oh, yeah, definitely. And then I looked at the game. I was like, hmm, I don't know. There was something about it that just maybe seemed a little small. And I think that's, mm. I mean, maybe I have some Kickstarter <laughs> regret yeah. as backing a lot of light games you know, at high price tags, but I'm glad you backed this because now I don't have to back it. I feel a lot yeah. better that.
0: <laughs> Well, that's the thing though, is both of these designers are known for making games that have a lot of depth to them, but that seem small, yeah. right? Kalamala seems small, Ragusa seems small, Merv seems small, but there's a lot of game there when you dig into it. Yeah. So I love Calumala, I'm happy to back so. this for like what we get out of it. And as long sure. as it matches the depth of those games, I'll be very happy. Fantastic.
1: All right. Well, I have actually two acquisition disorders. Um, not sure which one to start with first because they're both kind of interesting. Actually, you know what? Let me start with uh, an interesting one that I, I, I stumbled across. It's called Little Box Journeys, story games to take you far from home. No prep RPGs that will transport you in neat little boxes you could take on your journeys from the award winning series. Now, it's currently on Kickstarter. And this is uh, four little games, actually, in fact, two games that have recently came out and two games you can pick up from their original Kickstarter, but four current games in the series. These are four small box RPGs, and maybe you're like me, maybe you've played RPGs for one time or the other, maybe it's almost nearly impossible to get uh, grouped together, maybe you're not a hardcore RPGer whatsoever. Uh, this little box series is really interesting because basically what what it's there for is that there's no prep to this. You sit down at the table. This is kind of like those Pathfinder one-offs where you can... And again, this game has a solo mode too, which is really interesting because it kind of crosses over between being like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing, but also a substantial RPG. Currently, the 2022 releases... Are two uh, games, Decaying Orbit, which is actually, and again, how they describe it, piece together the fragmented memories of a space station AI's moments before its inevitable demise. That is super incredibly cool. I mean, of course, it's space based, but it's incredibly cool that there's an RPG that's just not elves and dwarves, right? And it's from an AI's perspective here. So you get to play out that RPG, which was really great. And then there's Soulfish and Arm <laughs> Almanacs, which is pedal goods town to town on a seasonal journey full of wonder and self-discovery. Again, I'm not too sure, and I don't want to ruin any secrets to the story here, but these are two small RPGs that you can get to the table. I went through the, the actual playthrough here, and basically the game itself comes with a large set of cards and the cards allow you to be able to play out a particular character or a perspective, and then there are story elements to the cards that come into play. There are questions and prompts that allow you to play out the RPG kind of elements to it, and your characters themselves that you play in the game have their own special abilities and values and, and traits. Now, if you want to go back to 2021, there's also Village Song, Lead Your Village, as poetry, myths, and folktales weave together in the Southeast Asian epic. And there's also our mundane supernatural life, cozy up with this heartwarming game of extraordinary daily living. So there's your super, uh, supernatural elements, but almost like in a kind of rom com kind of set, you know, way of play. So again, these are very small, single kind of box plays. And you'll be able to play it through these adventures, again, based on how many players are there. I think this does play better at the four-player count here, although I do like the idea that you could play these solo. And again, they're replayable. So it's not a one-and-done kind of situation. There are a lot of cards in the game. There's a lot of elements that come into play. There are a lot of character cards that come into play here. So it's not so small that you play it. I've seen everything. I'm done because it is an RPG. You are supposed to build and create the story amongst the characters that are in play. One of the really great things about this, obviously, is the fact that you are getting very different themes in these RPGs. The artwork here is outstanding. I love all of these different types of artwork. These are from different designers, different artists here. These are gorgeous across the board. They're gorgeous. And on top of which, and again, something we don't often see and I want to rem- remind our US, you know, listeners who are typically like used to US prices here, when you look at this these are in Australian dollars. Uh the games are a lot cheaper, so don't let the uh, AU price kind of, you know, freak you out a little bit. And this is an old school throwback, but the shipping prices are built into the actual pledge. Pro- they have an option for people who are currently dealing with some financial hardships. So what they did was they reduced the price of the two games down to $37. So you can actually pick up both of these games at, you know, including shipping at a very reduced price. And it's, you know, it's on the honor system. So if, you, if you're if you kind of stuck, and again, a lot of games these days, again, because games are a luxury, and obviously all the bad things that are currently happening, maybe you can't afford to pick these up right now. So you can, in fact, pick them up for $37. If you're not in that situation, hopefully you're not, you can pick up both of these games for $58. So there's a substantial savings. But nonetheless, if you are of the means for $58, you are still getting a a pretty substantial discount just normally. Because again, it includes the shipping here. And everything about this looks good. Just everything looks, looks about this is good. And again, I'm one of those people that loves RPGs, but never plays them anymore just because the time sync is a problem. Getting the, the people together is a problem. And I've kind of seen and done everything. So having four radically different themes here from different perspectives, different designers, different voices in the industry is just fantastic. Absolutely positively check this out, even if you're not an RPG gamer, because like I said, it's been forever since I played one of these this seems really cool. I'm really excited about this. This is little box journeys, story games that take you far from home. Absolutely, positively recommend you check this out. Twenty four days left on the campaign. A time of recording Tuesday, May seventeenth, two thousand twenty two. This will wrap up. So our the next campaign that I wanted to talk about here was an expansion of a game that I'm currently playing. So I'm currently playing Ryan Lockett's Sleeping Gods. Now, Sleeping God's Distant Skies is currently on Game Found. So if you loved Sleeping Gods is a standalone game, although it is an expansion of the story. So you don't have to own Sleeping Gods to play Sleeping God's distant skies. And a lot of the elements that were in the first story kind of connect to this story. It is a little different. You still have the same game board that, you know, this book that opens up and you'll, you know, navigate the map. But now you're flying a plane that's, you know, crisscrossing all these different interesting and dynamic territories with all the monsters that come into play and trying to manage your food reserves and your team throughout. There is some differences in this game. So what it allow you to do is actually have more interactive gameplay. There's audio narration that comes into the game here. There is an improved combat system. So one of the things that's a little weak in Sleeping Gods is the combat system because it's all based on this accuracy kind of system. So you basically look at your character. Usually they're poor in their accuracy unless you gear up with some weapons and special abilities. And then you flip a card and you see if you're able to hit. So some of the battles are really one-sided. So either you do all the damage or you do none of the damage and you get wiped out. This allows you to actually do a little bit of kind of deck building as you're putting together weapons and characters and kind of being able to take out the baddies in a more interesting way. Now, this game, again, like I said, is very much represent of uh, Sleeping Gods, the main game. So you're not going to find too much different here. There's quests. There are adventures just like the other game. And basically, you are trying to discover this new world. It's currently on GameFound. So if you liked Ryan Lockett's games and you want to take up the next adventure, check it out. Uh, again, a little pricey, but again, Ryan Lockett's games are typically very high quality. Sleeping Gods was, you know, of the same, you know, character. And all the story elements that go into it is pretty expensive. But nonetheless, $128. So if you're thinking about in that, uh, that's currently up on GameFound. All right, so that's all the games that we want hit the table. Let's get on to the games that did hit the table. Anthony, let's talk about your at the table this week.
0: I got a chance to play a game. I picked this up, actually, as a potential game to, to bring to my classroom, and I ended up playing with my kids. It's a little too long for the classroom, but uh, it was a big hit with the family. It's called Endangered. This is from Grand Gamers Guild, designed by Joe Hopkins, and it's about saving well not saving but trying to convince various countries to invest and work towards protecting different endangered species so the game itself is fairly political in nature which was a little surprising to me i didn't really know much about the game going into it but the goal of the game is to convince different countries to go along with whatever you're putting towards them right so you're going to have these different cards that are out at the beginning of the game, they're all face down. They're different countries and they're gonna have different conditions on them that you need to meet by the end of the game to win. And those are gonna be so basically like members of the UN saying, like, yes, we'll we'll go along, we'll we'll help protect this endangered species or whatever we need to do, right? Um, but while you're trying to get there to meet these conditions, you have to keep those animals alive in your on the board together as a group, right? So each player has a deck of cards, their own specific deck of cards. You're going to play them uh, independently of each other. And on your turn, you're going to be able to take one of several different types of actions, right? So you have different workers that you can place out, and these are dice that you're going to roll. And you're going to place them on different cards. There's four different actions available at the start of uh, the game, but then you're going to play cards from your hand that will add new actions to the tableau of available things you can do. When you play a die out there to an action, it has to be higher than any other die that's already there. So players really need to think through which dice they place out because if someone throws a six out there, no one's going to be able to follow that. you got to wait until they pull their dice back off and then that action becomes available again. So if you want the actions to be available a lot, you need to play low dice. There are a bunch of different actions. There are things that will remove obstacles from the board. So uh, the game basically plays out in different modules. Uh, the, the base module of the game is Tigers. There's also Sea Otters in the base box. And then there's like 10 to 15 other modules that come in expansions and, and various other things. But I played with the Tigers with my kids. Um, and so the, the main obstacle you're facing with the Tigers is deforestation. And so you need to every round, you're going to be deforesting the area. If the deforestation hits where your Tigers are located on the map, the Tigers get removed. That was very upsetting for my daughter. Um, But it was also an opportunity to explain, like, this is what's actually happening. This is what we need. You know, this is why we care, because people are not taking care of of the resources and the environment, and therefore the tigers don't have anywhere to live. Um, The balancing act, like any good cooperative game, is removing those deforestation tiles, keeping enough tigers out there, so, like, coordinating the tigers together so that they mate and spread out, and then also getting the influence tokens that you need and putting them on the different countries so that they vote with you and help protect the tigers at the end of the game. Uh, The number of players will determine how many rounds you run, which is, it can be anywhere from like three to four rounds up to nine if you have two players. And honestly, I'm not a huge, huge cooperative game guy because frequently you have one person who runs the game you have a limited number of actions and it ends up becoming like a math puzzle, right? Pandemic is like a a pure math puzzle. (laughs) Um, There's a, a well-known video of Matt Leacock giving a presentation to uh, developers at Google because he was once a software engineer at Yahoo. And it's just like, here's the math puzzle behind my game. And then here's the theme I kind of threw on it. And That's what a lot of these co-op games end up feeling like. Endangered doesn't feel like that. It feels like the theme is very carefully thought out. It's integrated into the way the game plays. The different animals that you're trying to save in each module that you might play creates a different experience. And that's really cool, right? Not only is it more fun for me, somebody who gets thrown off by the math puzzles, but it really engages my children and people who are not as big a gamers, right? They're, they're asking questions about these different cards or asking questions about the animals and why they're being, what, what the deforestation means. Like thematically, the game is asking questions and requiring players to engage with it in a way that some other games don't do. So it's doing its job. It's communicating with us and it's, it was engaging, right? It's not fun to lose because you know that these tigers are not saved. You know, these otters aren't saved, but it, it is very fun to win as any cooperative game is, and it really works within a, a family setting. So Endangered gets a buy from me. Um, one of the better cooperative games I've played of this type in a while that's family friendly. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to trying out other modules. So we've tried the tigers. We've tried the otters. We, we beat the tiger module once, and we'll, we're going to pick up some of the other ones because my daughter really wants to find if there's elephants, <laughs> which I need to look up. Um, so Endangered uh, Grand Gamers Guild Joe Hopkins good game highly recommended if you are up for uh, some cooperative play with a little more uh, social commentary to it
1: that's excellent to hear I remember seeing this game but it honestly honestly I really feel bad about this like just co-op games they're they're so hit and miss by me like it's just it's almost like I'm going to I'm going I'm going in with the impression and the expectation that I'm going to be disappointed. So anytime mm-hmm. there's like, oh, cool. That's a really cool game and a cool theme. And oh, it's a co-op. Ah, these are really <laughs> hard to do. Yeah. For many reasons, right? There's so many reasons. Like you want to have a good win-loss percentage. You don't want to have an alf gamer in there. You don't want to paste it on theme. You don't want to have just like a formula where you feel like you can't do different things, right? Like, it's got to be that one thing or everything else kind of falls apart. So I'm really happy to hear that because I, I think this is obviously a really great theme, something we don't typically have in board games. And anytime you get a, a co-op, a good co-op game, it's almost like a universal win. I'm just saying, because there's just so many bad ones out there. It's so easy to mess that up.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and like, I don't think this game solves alpha issues or anything like that. But you do have your own deck of cards, you have your own cards, the other player can't see them. So like. you're going to decide what actions you take and how you play them out and where you go. And it was a little easier than a game where everybody has all the information in front of them all the time. So it balances that well, the, the and the dice makes for an interesting worker placement mechanic. Yeah, I don't know, it just it somehow finds the right balance in between these different things. Like, Spirit Island solved that problem by making the game so incredibly difficult, so it's great for players like us who love big, heavy games, but it's not great for anybody else, right? (laughs) Um, And so it's really hard to find a good game in that family weight to slightly heavier level that's accessible and enjoyable for both gamers and families and everybody in between, and I feel like this game manages to straddle that line. So... It's Mm. great. I'm really excited that I found it.
1: No, that's great. That's fantastic. And again, like I said, it's it's a theme that commonly doesn't get played, and I think it's something that definitely deserves a lot more attention because I think people learn a lot from it too. Yep. All right. Well, I want to talk about a co-op game that I recently played. This is Ruby WBY Combat Ready. This was a not too long ago recent Kickstarter back in 2018. This is based on a, I guess, for other people, famous anime, and it's all about uh, these young women who have come together to fight the forces of evil, and honestly, that's all that I was able to get from the game. Please forgive me if you're a big fan of this series. I do not know it. I am a big anime fan, but I did not actually get the storylines or much of the flavor out of this game, and I guess... In one sense, I just want to put that on, on top, because if you are a big fan of the game, I think that there is there is a way and there is an, uh, a feel to this game that you will gain if you have that prior knowledge coming into the game. I did not. Now, that being said, it's a co-op game that was actually pretty fun. It's It's basically a fighting game that comes down to primarily there is a big bad, and typically there is an objective that brings in some minions into play. And all of the baddies in this game, basically, they're a one-deck baddie. So maybe you've played Sentinels of the Multiverse or a number of these other games where there's a villain and you're all heroes. And each of you will take a turn to play your best cards in order to slap around the bad person until you knock their health points down to zero before your whole team gets knocked down to zero. And then you win, which is awesome. Uh, what I like about this game, it's pretty straightforward. There's actually a deck-building element to it. So there is an opportunity to build up your cards in such a way in order to like support your team and knock out the, the bad guy in here. So this ability, Semblance, as far as you'll be able to create a deck, have a special ability card where just like if you watch any anime, it's like that's the hero moment where you come in and you do all the kinds of damage. Each of the characters do play slightly differently. They have definitely, you know, some abilities more as like a healing or defense or attack, but primarily it's all about speed, right? So basically in the game, it comes down to these three areas of combat and ability speed, damage, and aura. Aura is health in this game. So primarily speed. It's all about speed because you are going to see that the villain is going to be based on a certain power level and that power level all comes down to not just getting hit but also to be able to you know hit with a certain speed and if the villain is faster than you the villain's going to do the damage if you're faster than the villain then you're going to do the damage so really it comes down to looking at the color of that particular deck and again i highly recommend this i don't know if the game necessarily recommends this but there are three different villain stances, subtle, balance, and aggressive. Obviously, there's a range of numbers that are for each of these three categories. And they do range pretty wildly within that range. So subtle's always going to be the easiest to hit because that's going to be in a low number count. But it could still be pretty, pretty fast. And based upon the game as, as it kind of plays out and based upon the objective and the baddies in the game, the villains are going to gear up throughout the game so even subtle becomes dangerous so you do want to play your 8 9 and 10s as you know as pos- as much as possible because hitting the bad guy is essential but as you play your cards things get better for you as you do damage but as you as you play each and every round the villain's fury gets even more dangerous so the villain gains speed the villain gains damage So you play your cards, you do the best you can to knock the villain down a bit, and then you move on to the next player. Hopefully you're able to do so without getting everyone killed, but basically there's a main player and the other players in the game are supporting you throughout the game by utilizing their attack modifiers and assist abilities to be able to support you. So again, that's pretty much the game. You have the villain, you have the objective, which is not huge story-driven And the minions are not necessarily that challenging, so to speak. But they do have high speeds and, again, high attack. So you and your team will go out and try to knock them around as much as possible. And that's pretty much it. Again, it's a very straightforward, cooperative fighting game. I like that. You know, I love Sentinels in the Multiverse. It can be a little challenging as trying to figure out the deck and how the cards combo together. There really isn't a problem here. It's all about just hitting the bad guy and at at the same time trying to build up your combos for later throughout the game. Villains are pretty straightforward. Like I mentioned, there's three different stances, so there's different speeds that are going to come into play. Uh, I didn't get too much of the theme out of the game. I felt bad about that. I'm going to check out the anime to kind of like see if it inspires me to want to play this game more. As it is, I kind of feel done with it. I feel like it's a decent game. If you like or know the anime enough, I think you'll actually enjoy this. This is kind of a play for me. I think it's a light play. There was nothing bad about the game, nothing I didn't enjoy, other than the fact that it became a little bit samey. But again, if this is your thing, I think you'll like this a lot. And again, that's
0: Ruby Combat Ready. Wow. we got two co-op games in one week that we're okay with. Yeah. It's fine. It's it's a fine game. Like I said, I I actually wish
1: I knew the animated series because yeah. I think that it would have lent more into the game. I don't think that the game itself lent itself to the series. I don't. I like I played the game and I played it multiple times. I was like, I still don't know what's going on. Except these ladies are really cool and they kick butt, and the bad <laughs> guy's a bad guy. So okay, like generic bad guy is going to be generic generic minions are going to be generic but if you know the series you must be like oh that's really cool the people at the table did know the series and were talking about it they didn't feel like too much of the gameplay really came in you could play multiple times and build up to scenarios so but again i think it's very samey throughout all right so that's everything that's hitting our table anthony let's talk about the games that everyone's talking about let's talk about our feature review All right, everyone. So our feature review this week, of course, is talking about the top 10 hot game companies, my friend. They are so hot that they produce bangers each and every year. So we want to bring some light to the companies that bring these out each and every week. We try to talk about them all the time, but they're doing such a great job that we wanted to actually give them their very own episode. Anthony, hot game companies, you own these hot games, right?
0: I own games from every single one of these companies. Yes. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's, that doesn't really say anything about the companies. That's just me and my... Uh,
1: you got a problem. Spending
0: habits. <laughs> you got a real problem. <laughs> I do. I do. It's not good. It's not yes. good at all. <laughs> no, but uh, I'll, but I'll yeah, be... Like, look, lots of good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good stuff.
1: And honestly, like, these are the companies... I know you and I, Anthony, like, when these companies release a game it's almost a given that we're going to back these or or purchase yep. these, or at least very at least, at least give these serious, serious considerations. So Anthony, what is your number 10?
0: Number 10 is a game company that I have not been able to stop paying attention to for the past <gasps> four years now. Uh, wow. Every single game they put up, I'm seriously consider purchasing. And the only reason I don't is because they release a game every one to two months. So <laughs> that's too many games. Uh, that's a gotcha. button, sh- but yeah, they're they're good at this. Uh, it's Button Shy Games. Uh, Jason Tagmire. and if if you know, you know. If you don't, you're like, what is this? This is a company that goes on Kickstarter uh, again every month or two. It used to be once a month. I think sometimes now it's every couple three months. But they release a little wallet sized game, and the, their most famous game, and in my opinion, the best one, it's in the top one thousand on Board Game Geek, is Sprawlopolis but they have so many other amazing games. You got Circle the Wagons. They have mm-hmm. Elizabeth Hargrave's second game, Tussie Mussy, very good. Agropolis mm-hmm. is the sequel to Sprawlopolis. Their most recent game uh, that they just did that I just backed was Rove, results-oriented, versatile explorer about like mm-hmm. a, a sentient uh, Martian rover. Uh, and Ooh. so there's so many of these little games, like dozens and dozens of them. Uh, some of them are solo, which are the ones I tend to gravitate towards, but some of them are not. They're just, fun little single deck card games that use 18 cards to do so much. Uh, And Mm -hmm. they're all not all of them are great, but a lot of them are very good. So anytime they release a game, I'm on top of it. I want to know what's going on. I want to know if it's a game that's for me. And I have like seven or eight of these things at this point. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, you should be paying attention. They make some really good stuff. All right, our number
1: nine company is Czech Games Edition, or better known as CGE. You know CGE. Recently, they came out with the super hot Lost Runes of Arnek. That was that fantastic deck builder that came out right in the middle of the pandemic, but somehow it broke through, found its way to everybody, and it's just become a modern-day classic. Also, during that time, they released Falling Skies, which is a solo game that I like a lot because it's all about I guess Galaga-esque, I don't know if that's a thing, I don't know if I can get away with saying that, but Galaga-esque, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's about aliens attacking Earth, and you have to defend Earth from all the aliens. It's actually really cool. One of the games that did not get the attention that I think it really deserves was a Sanctum. Uh, Sanctum was mm. a very, very cool game, but it just needed a addition as far as an expansion or just something to kind of wrap up that fantastic game. Again, if you haven't played Sanctum, you should, uh, if you talk to CGE, tell them to release expansions for it because it makes the <laughs> game so much better. Now, the game that they really are known for is Through the Ages. I, I, I That is just like one of the top games of all time. It's been on Board Game Geek forever. Now, if you're not a hardcore gamer to that end, then you probably know them best for all of their codename games. Again, they probably sold more of this than anything else out there. Um, one of my favorite games from them is one of my from my one of my favorite designers Vladimir Suchi's Pulsar 2849, and they they do a lot of fun games too. So there's a lot of cool different games throughout here. You probably know Galaxy Trucker. You know one of my favorite games of all time, The Prodigals Club and Last Will that comes with them. Uh, Dungeon Lords. They have done big cool euros throughout. A great, fantastic company. Great. People working there, so if you ever go to a board game convention, I highly recommend going over to check games because just great people, great games, and they typically are such a cool company that they actually let you play the games for free. So, yeah, that's our number nine.
0: All right, yeah, number eight on the list, uh, we have Rio Grande Games, so Rio Grande has been around for a long time this is a company i was just fully aware of coming into the hobby As power grid was one of the first games i played but they keep pumping stuff out and it's not just stuff that they bring over right there's plenty of games that they bring over uh and kind of port to the north american market like all of vladimir suchi's newer self-published games uh underwater cities (laughs) <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> but they're also the sole publisher of games like concordia and all the stuff that goes with concordia and all of friedman freezes games which yep. have really for me at least kind of renaissanced in the last couple of years with fayum and then free ride which i reviewed last mm-hmm. week um beyond the sun was amazing last year kind of came out of nowhere from a brand new designer is now almost in the top 100 on board game geek um they're also the publisher of all things dominion which. Sure, that game is 15 years old, but there's still new content coming out. It's not a, it's not an old game. So this is a this is a company that just keeps pumping stuff out. There's an amazing amazing games. If you look at their most recent stuff, a lot of these games are like rated eight or higher. Um, even games like Dice Realms from Thomas Lehman, which is a crazy expensive, over the top, ridiculous production. But who's going to make that game? Asmodee wouldn't make that game. It's expensive to make. And Rio Grande's like, no, it's cool. It's an experiment. We want to see this made. And so they made it. And that's why they're up here on the list at number eight. Fantastic.
1: All right. Well, no surprise here. Our number seven hot company is Albin VR Studio Games. So, you know, Albin VR from his probably his most famous recent game, Clinic, his deluxe edition. His reprint here, just fantastic, and all of the expansions that came out for it, really giving you a deep, crunchy, heavy gamer sense of the healthcare industry in a really fun, fantastic way. Ian Oldtool artwork, who, again, is always the best. So a great combination of great games, but that's not all. Tramways and all of their (laughs) games has been fantastic. Uh, Obviously, Small City, one of my favorite games of all time. I remember playing that back in the day. And now they actually are having a, I guess, a new deluxe version going along with that as well. Card City, Town Center, just a really great collection of games. Really deep, really heavy, really crunchy. Lots and lots of fun.
0: Absolutely. Love AV Game Game Studios. Uh, All right. Number six is a company that, honestly, five years ago, I would have been like, who what now? (laughs) <laughs> but they they've kind of made their name on the backs of the tea games, right? This is the company yes. that just went all in on these tea games. We make fun of it every year, but they keep coming we out, do. and they're good. They're always good. They <laughs> they're not always great. We we have differing opinions, plays, buys, etc. But very rarely is a dodge kind of sneak its way into the list, and that's board and dice. So uh, with I kind of came to understand this company the most when Teotihuacan came out in 2018, right? It's one of my top 20 games of all time. I love this game. All the expansions are amazing. But since then, they've released several additional games from Toshini with other collaborators. There's Takino Obelisk of the Sun. There's Trismegistus, The Ultimate Formula. Uh, most recently, this last year, we had Tabanusi, Builders of Ur, uh, which we'll be reviewing here in the next week or two. Um, But that's not it. They have other games coming from like Origins. First Builders is a Euro game from Adam Kwiapinski, who designed Nemesis, one of the top 30 games of all time on Board Game Geek. Um, They do creative stuff with like Sierra West, which is not an amazing game, but it's creative and interesting and does something different with like card mechanics. Dice Settlers from David Turchie. There's a lot of interesting, cool Euro mechanics coming out of Board and Dice, and they're not afraid to try different things. Um, they've also been known to do a big crazy expensive Kickstarter with Yido Deluxe Master Set. <laughs> but uh so every year we know we're gonna get one of these new T games, one of these big Euros that tries something new with some new mechanic. And that alone kind of puts them on my, our radar. And the fact that they're consistently good every single year, that it's a game is worth checking out and it trying and, and learning more about just pushes them up the list. So, Board and Dice there at number six.
1: Number five is a company that, when I had heard the name way back in the day, I kind of feared their games. Those were the games that were always so heavy, so complex, so crunchy, so expensive, so obscure. And yet, once I actually got a chance to play them, they were some of the best games of all time, period. So engaging, enveloping, and so much fun at the table. And honestly, not the heavy lift that you would think. This is Splatter. Now, Splatter has produced some of the best games of recent times. Food Chain Magnet, especially, was such a fun-filled game. Something so seemingly different from this company. Complex, fun, just a really engaging, great game. But they've also done so many fantastic games that we've talked about several times. The Great Zimbabwe, which, Anthony, I know is one of your favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Yep, Road and Boats, obviously, has been fantastic. Antiquity has been one of my great games of all time. I mean, they just produce such rare gems each and every time. They, they produce very few games. I, I think one of their current up, upcoming releases, Horseless Carriage, has not even really been explained or no. shown to the public. <laughs> And people are backing this game, right? You backed this game,
0: yeah. That's what they do, though. We didn't know it was going to be in the ketchup mechanic <laughs> until like a month before it shipped. Yeah, We're like, I don't know what I'm paying for, but here's all my money.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and again, they have always delivered, and they've always delivered great games, and and I'm just I'm always amazed by Splinter Cell you know, and, and everything that they've produced at this point, and again. All of these games may not be for you, but I guarantee you there's something in their collection that is just incredibly fantastic in so many different ways. And every game that I play, even if it's not my cup of tea, I've loved it. Indonesia is an incredible experience. Just that game alone. Bus, I own the game Bus. I love the game Bus. It's fantastic, especially with the new artwork that comes into the game. Again, do not be afraid to play these games. They're fantastic. The company's wonderful. Bangers throughout. Splatters feeling.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite game companies of all time, Mm -hmm. regardless of current hotness. um, Always. So number four on the list, moving up on the list here, we have Leader Games. Leader Games is a great company for a lot of reasons. One, like right off the bat, you know, the first game out of the gate was Vast, which is by all accounts brilliant if you have the time, group, and energy to work through the mechanics and make it all work with everybody. But it it was a big lift, and for me, it was like, it didn't work. So, I found it hard to kind of go in on their other games, but then Root happened. And Root is a brilliant game that, the fact that Leader Games went so far in on this game, with the investment and the different mechanics and the different artwork and the expansion right out of the gate, really made it so successful. So there's now been three full expansions for the game. The third one is shipping very soon. And that alone would almost put them up here on the list. But then you have Oath, which, you know, from the same designer, Cole Worley, does amazing things that go outside of the normal, you know, it's, it's even harder to describe the game. It does so many interesting and unique things. Fort, where they went and took this older game, I say almost at old, but older SPQF, and they rethemed it. In a cool, interesting way that you don't normally see in games like this. Uh, and then now we have two new games upcoming. We have Ahoy, which they're going to just be doing a normal pre-order for, like Fort. This is from the designer of Block by Block Uprising, which is great. It's cool to see new and interesting games from him. Uh, Greg, Greg Loring Albright, uh, that's coming out this year. And then Arcs, which is the new sci-fi themed Cole Whirly asymmetrical game. It's just really cool you know all the games coming from this company are going to be asymmetrical in some way, which is always fun, but seeing the different ways in which they do it and how they succeed is the fun part of it. And so every year, you know, you're going to get something at a leader that's going to try new things and push the hobby forward, and that makes them uh, one of the best game companies around right now. Fantastic. Our number
1: three game is, or number three game company is Eagle Griffin Games. We've been talking about Eagle Griffin Games for a long time. Eagle Griffin Games produces my favorite game of all time, or one of my favorite games of all time, Defenders of the Realm. But that's not all, my friends. Of course, recently their Kickstarter came out, Weather Machine, uh, an, another fantastic album, you know game that we hope to get out. Ian Old Tools artwork, beautiful, amazing. And Vitaliserta, I mean, they just need to—they signed this man down, and he just keeps you know, producing, you know, amazing game after amazing game on Mars. And its recent expansion came out there. Fantastic. Kanban EV, obviously all the Kanbans that came out previously. My other favorite game of all time, Lisboa, which is just like, oh yeah. And by the <laughs> way, Lisboa uh, recently came out with uh, Rococo Deluxe, not their original game, but again, their reprint, The Gallerists. Again, another Vitaliserta game. So many Vitaliserta games. I mean, like, basically, they might as well name, rename themselves Eagle Griffin Uh Vinos. I mean, again, an, another classic game of all time. Just There's just so many great deep games in this collection, and they're just so much fun to play. And they go back a far, a far time. I mean, obviously, two companies coming into one company. Obviously they have their small games they have like games like Francis Drake that everyone remembers back in the day but again, a lot of great games a lot of fun games, but a lot of deep impressive games especially from the um <laughs> Vitalicerta I mean I don't like it's Vitalicerta company I, I, it's him right yeah, pretty much
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> him and Enol tool like they're just like Eagle Griffin Enol 2 Vitalicerta like done. <laughs>
0: Should be enough to put them number one right there, right? I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, I can't argue with that one. Uh, I have all those. Like, I can see them all on my shelves right now. Vitella, Sarah, everywhere. Um, So, uh, another company that just pumps stuff out and they have some of the most iconic games in my collection, at least, is GMT Games. And a lot of people think GMT uh, and they think war games, which is not incorrect. I would say the majority of the games they release are war games and they are some of the best war games. But the reason GMT is our number two game company is a, they are willing to try new things, right? And sometimes that doesn't go well. They've, they've put some stuff out there that hasn't gone over well with the public and they've had to adjust to that. Uh, But at the same time, they are willing to experiment with things like the coin system, which now we're up to like 10, 11 games and we have games like Gandhi Uh, We have games like Pendragon, uh, we have games like Cuba Libre, which are not traditional war games. They're using different mechanics and different ways of kind of approaching that system. And those games are the reason we have Root and the anti-insurgency or the insurgency type of war game. Um, But that's not even it, right? They have dominant species and dominant species Marine, and they invested heavily to make sure Marine got done and published after the tragic passing of of the game's designer. Um, the, the fact that we have so many different, diverse types of themes and games, and they all kind of fit the same bucket where they're like complex, but accessible for heavier gamers, right? Space core, uh, is one of my favorite games the last five years. And they invested in, they released an expansion for a game that doesn't have a ton of players. They're willing to go out and make new content. For games that maybe aren't selling tens of thousands of copies. And the reason they can do all this is because they have this pre order system. Like we all talk about Kickstarter and Game Found, but GMT's been doing their P500 system for years and years and years and finding out what people want to purchase. And that's what they print. And it makes sense and it works. And we get lots of cool stuff, right? We get Thunder Alley rethemed as Apocalypse Road, <laughs> right? That wouldn't happen mm. from a lot of other companies because it's just, it's a bit of a leap and it's, a risk, right? So we get yeah. interesting things. We get a lot of war games, a lot of war games, but we also get yeah. new, interesting ideas. We get stuff in space. We get stuff, um, a future apocalyptic racing games. We get dominant species from Chad Jensen, rethemed uh, with you know aquatic uh, creatures. It, it just lots of different, interesting ideas. And I don't know that any other company would do it the same way or the same breadth and scope as GMT does. Absolutely.
1: All right. So now our number one, the hottest game company that's currently out there and just burning up the charts and dropping some amazing games out there is Capstone games. Now Capstone games has been around for, you know, a couple of years now. They were known for bringing over some interesting and sometimes rule book problematic games over to the U.S. market. We were thankful that they did because they brought some really fun games to the table. But they really are a very smart company, picking up some games and reprinting them. Terra Mystica, obviously, is one of the big ones. Gaia Project in there, Glass Road. But they have many of their own great games. And one of the, the games that's just on everyone's list at everyone's table is Arc Nova, one of the big games out there, another, you know, kind of Terra Mystica slash Terraforming Mars game about building up these big different tableaus that you'll be able to put into play. We recently talked about Boone Lake, another great game that was out there. Imperial Steam recently came out. Corrosion, another great game. Pipeline came out, Curious Corgo. New York Zoo was out there as well. Maracaibo has gotten so much play and so much talk, not to mention the Gage series, like all of those different train games out there on the table, great. And if you're looking for one of, if not the best, and again, game, two-player games of all time, Watergate. Fantastic game. Two players getting out to tame. team. They've also brought out Crystal Palaces. And one of the biggest, funnest games out there that doesn't get enough talk, Coffee Traders. Great game out there. Uh, you could talk about something smaller and a, a lot more kind of, you know, for a broader audience. Uh, Juicy Fruits came out there uh ragusa that was out there as well just they brought a lot of games from a lot of companies that we would not have access to previously not to mention all of the big games that are out there on the table right now so if you're talking about a company that's super hot and bringing out all of the hottest games as a table currently it is capstone all right everyone so that's everything for this week until next time this is chris
0: and this is anthony
1: and we'll save you all a seat at the table take care everyone
0: Bye!